This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, the show where we know that if Bill Gates actually put chips in people and the mainstream media reported on it, we know conspiracy theorists would never believe it. I'm your co-host, Alice Vaughn, <laughs> and with me, I have my gorgeous co-host, Yvette Dontremont. Yvette, they wouldn't believe it. Here's the thing. We already are wandering around with fucking location tracking on our phones. And these people are just wandering around reporting about the microchips that Bill Gates allegedly wants to put into us with a GPS chip on them that they paid handsomely for. It's If this technology ever became available, they'd go out and buy it on day one and be like, yeah, I'm an early adopter. You know what I would alternately pay for? Bill Gates to actually put chips in me, specifically sour cream and onion. Oh, we discussed this when we had Kevin Allison on. Which, uh, which oh, food? Oh, I, I meant like just a feeding thing, not between my butt. Oh, you know, I would have, <laughs> if you're going to have Bill Gates put chips in you, lean in. Have it, you know, go be a serving platter for Bill Gates. He probably, if Bill Gates is going to throw, like, look, Bill Gates was on a few of those flights with fucking Jeffrey Epstein, who didn't kill himself. Um, it's, look, look, start some conspiracy theories. It's the apocalypse. Let's just go wild. But I'm just saying, maybe Bill Gates, he's getting bored in his golden years. And he's like, I want to throw a party with humans for serving platters. And somebody's going to be the dip tray. Oh, man. I want to be that rich where I get so bored. I'm like, all right, guys, I have an idea. This is my new kink. (laughs) Human sourdough. Right. Oh, God. If you're rich enough, will you give us the money to do this? Look, we're just we're just saying we can throw a good party. We're we're highly amusing hosts. We'll we'll take a boob out late in the night. Look, if you're not Bill Gates and can't fund this, then I I don't even know what the point is that you're listening to this. But if you are Bill Gates and you would like to put a chip in my and or vet's mouth uh, or crisp for our UK audience, we will gladly do so and or perform any other weird fetish that you want to try out. Why not? We'll do so for like 100 million. The richest person who has ever sent me fan mail, or at least I'm guessing, (laughs) because given the small number of billionaires on the planet, I have gotten fan mail from one billionaire. That was really Yes. One of the earliest employees at Microsoft, uh, Nathan Mervold, who was the first chief information officer at Microsoft. Oh, wait. Didn't he send you that food book? The, uh, actually, they're right behind me. It's, and just be, I, I use them as on a fairly regular basis in my kitchen, the, uh, the modernist cuisine cookbooks. And he just, the, the subject of the email uh, was, I love your rationality. And of course, I get emails like that. I'm not, I don't want to, say, I get emails like that all the time. I'm not, no, no, I don't. People don't stroke my email like that constantly. And please, please don't. Uh, but, you know, I got that email and I I didn't check it for, you know, for a little while because I don't check, you know, just kind of, I'm more likely to click on one that's saying you're horrible because those entertain me. But like, you know, I checked the email and I was like, he's like, I'm sure you get these regularly as do I. Uh, here's what I, and I, I didn't realize who he was, like that he was, you know, this person who worked at Microsoft and he was a billionaire um, until like I researched him a little. And at first I thought he was just the cookbook guy. I was like, oh, I'm so happy his cookbooks have things in grams and not just cups. That was what I was happy about when I first <laughs> looked him up. I just botched that one. Hey, I have a question. Since uh, we're kind of restarting the U.S. or uh, the yeah. world, can we just restart with the metric system this time? Yeah, maybe. Maybe uh, this whole like taking a nap. I want. I want to restart in metric. Uh, what else? What else can we do? Can while everything's asleep, can we like reset the serving sizes on things down by like four ounces on everything? Like, <laughs> just we go back to dinner and at, at a restaurant, and like everything's like not a size for six people. I'm sorry, uh, America didn't hear that. What did you say again? <laughs> America's like, what? Communist says, what about my serving sizes? That's in the Constitution. Do you not know this? What the serving size is? <laughs> my cheesy fries size will be trough. <laughs> I say this as someone who definitely ordered, got fries from McDonald's yesterday, shredded my own cheese, and put it on those fries. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Look, the husband was driving home from work. He's like, do you want anything at McDonald's? I'm like, I have cheese. I could go for fries. Look, it's well. my apocalypse. I'm dealing with it. How I, it was funny because I knew I was I I was binge eating more, and I was like, I'm going to binge exercise because I don't want to give up the binge eating. 
<laughs> or sorry, the comfort eating. So my new routine, way too much cycling to go along with the way too much eating. You know, it's balancing out. Haven't gained any weight. And I'm eating a lot of cookies. So before the show, we were actually talking about uh, some guilty pleasures. And aside from eating, which is mm, a huge yes. guilty pleasure for like 99% of people. Yeah, uh, it's uh, watching train wrecks on Facebook. So, and this was this was kind of a, a random discussion. But you guys, uh, it's as we found from people uh, tuning into TGM and Chill the other day, which was delightful. Um, people are, are enjoying our, our talking about what we like for our guilty pleasures. And I am enjoying far too much watching. And so I'm, you know, there, there are a couple different stages of divorces that you see your friends go through in your twenties, early twenties, you see your friends go through the, we got married too young and this was a bad idea divorce, like the really quick ones. Um, and then like late twenties, early thirties, you see another wave of divorce. And now I'm seeing my friends who are a little older than me starting to have the messy, fuck you, burn it all down divorces and it's amazing to watch. Like I'm, th there's nothing comfortable. But I'm not saying this is good. I'm just saying we're all hoarding for entertainment right now because like there's nothing new on television. There are no sports. But man, you ought to see entertainment. Watch two Gen Xers fuck each other up on Facebook. Whoo! It's kind of tragic to watch. We're gonna. I will now. One of them is kind of going public with it because same as me, she has a Facebook audience. She's in. She's in the fitness community. But we're gonna call them for the sake of this. Ken and Barbie, because Barbie is not her name, but Ken is absolutely his fucking name. <laughs> uh, you know. But here's the thing. She a couple of years ago, the divorce started, um, and she had been, you know, fitness community, right? Uh, and so she was in really good shape, and she started uh, working out, started getting a little harder, and she started gaining some weight. And they. Uh, around like right after they get divorced, she gets diagnosed with breast cancer. And they realize, and this is kind of a not too uncommon thing. Like the cancer kind of, it's not like the day you get diagnosed with cancer is not the day that your body started growing that cancer. It's been in there for a little while, kind of a, sometimes affecting how you feel. And her doctor's like, you probably had this for a few years, which is probably why she was sapped of energy and getting a little fatter. And here's the thing, it's a fairly common stat that men are much more likely to leave their wives who are dealing with an illness like cancer than women are to leave their husbands who are suffering with cancer. So watching this divorce go through and watching like, you know, her posting and she's she's posted this publicly on her page with like 60 some odd thousand followers. They have daughters together. He hasn't reached out once to ask, how's your mother doing? Hasn't spoken about the cancer at all. Hasn't taken the kids, I believe, at all. Not like during the coronavirus thing, not, like nothing. So you're not kidding, by the way. A woman is, according to the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center, yeah, a woman is six times more likely to be separated or divorced after, soon after diagnosis of cancer or multiple sclerosis. I was shocked when I read that. Like, what? Absolutely shocked when I read that. And like we're just saying, like, and I mean, here's the thing: my husband and I met, and we both had some pre-existing conditions, and it was uh, like. I think I've told this story in the podcast before. I banged my husband on the night, not the night, not our first date, the night before our planned first date. Look, he's my husband. It worked out. Uh, but like when I first saw pill bottles, like a, a number of pill bottles on his dresser, I was like, oh, good. He's not going to judge me for the fact that I'm, you know, likewise uh, sick. And I, we both came into this broken. <laughs> you know, we have ailments that we have to manage, which is, you know, we accepted that about each other, which was good. But like, I think people have a vision of the health of their partner and and when they take that in sickness and in health, they don't always mean it. <laughs> they don't realize health is fucking hard. Like, and when somebody gets a long-term thing or even like cancer can be, some types of cancer are better within a fucking year and you never have a recurrence of it. But like, those are things that throw people really hard. But watching my friend go through this and seeing that he hasn't even reached out to their daughters has been uh, rough. But finding out like, via her divorce, finding out that men are so much more likely to leave their spouses during a bout of cancer. That just, that racked my brain. So what I'm hearing is when women get cancer and their spouses leave them, it is time to go straight into the lesbian phase, right? That is when you will hit your lesbian phase, Alice. All right. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I saying, was going to say, do I mark the date on a calendar? I'm just saying. I'm also I'm, not a soothsayer. I'm not going to know when I get cancer. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why there are late in life lesbians, because it's like, well, the man left me after cancer. This seems to be a trend amongst the male of the species. 
Now, is there a correlation as well with cancer diagnoses and Melissa Etheridge concerts? Oh, do Melissa Etheridge concerts cause cancer? Ooh. That's going to be a story on OAN tomorrow because we have, I'm sure we have (laughs) OAN reporters listening to us. I mean, look, we're already starting new Jeffrey Epstein and Bill Gates conspiracy theories. Why not throw it in with cancer and Melissa Etheridge? I mean, I think actually Bill Gates is pairing with Melissa Etheridge to cause cause cancer by microchipping people with the COVID-19 vaccine. And turn everyone into lesbians. Exactly. Even the men. We figured it out. Well, don't worry, men. All we have to do, first, men, we're going to, like, the liberals all want to transgender you, and that way we can turn you into lesbians. And that way we can microchip you. This is the future liberals want. I think there are some people who actually think that's true. Look, we are the Edward Snowdens of our era. We're for breaking this. Oh, yeah. We have the files. (laughs) We're going to Russia tomorrow for both our our medically induced coma and for solace from the U.S. Will you be my (laughs) Michaela or am I your Michaela? Oh, man. One of us has to report back. Um, Well, considering I wear red lipstick, then I I guess I will be. Just make sure I'm spoon-fed well like kindly when I'm out of the coma and of a vegetable, okay? Like make sure they give me some good drugs so that at least while I'm a vegetable, I'm comfortable. We are making jokes that are a little, like if our listeners have no idea where we're at right now, we may have gone to a weird place, but we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back. We'll so bring it back. I, you probably noticed we don't have a guest for this episode. Yeah, this is just us chatting and watching an old, we, we realized we had not just reviewed an old fucking porn for a while. And so we're watching The Devil and Miss Jones. And Alice got to put on her porno historian hat for this. Now, I, as y'all know, I don't share things about what I do with my pussy with you all the time. These are very delicate moments for me. But I must admit, I had a fap to this one and it wasn't my weirdest fap. Not my proudest, not my weirdest. This was an okay fap. It was, it was an entertaining porn. Entertaining in the mode of I'm watching it going, what for a lot of it but yeah like the sex was the story for much of it but this was a weird one alice let's talk through this one so let's start with the title the devil in miss jones so we're actually reviewing something from the golden era of porn actually even produced and directed by the same guy who did deep throat really i did not know that I should. Yes. There was some similar cinematography in there. Oh, and there were some even similar faces. And I'll get to that Ooh. in a gif. But it came out back in 1973. And some of you might be hearing the title and say, well, that sounds like a different movie. Well, it's not a surprise because it's not to be confused with the 1941 comedy film, The Devil and Mrs. Jones, which this actually, this film, The Devil and Miss Jones, it's a mockbuster. Uh, 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 oh, I see what you did there. I like that. Not, not, not a satire, a mock, but gotcha. Do you know what a mockbuster is? It's a whole genre, apparently. Where they just take the title and, you know what, inform me because I'm going to screw this up. I'm not going to get the, uh, I'm not going to get it right. You're definitely uh, onto something there. So yeah, sometimes it's just a slight title change and you're like, wait, this sounds like a different movie. You know, when you go to the Walmart bargain bin of DVDs or VHSs and you're like, What is this land that time forgot or Transmorphers or the Da Vinci treasure? By the way, all real titles. What? All capitalizing on similar sounding names. Yeah. Atlantic Rim, Paranormal Entity. Atlantic Rim? Yep. I have to watch Atlantic Rim now. And so, wait, and it's not a porn. It's a mockbuster. It's a mockbuster, a movie created with the intention of exploiting the publicity of another major motion picture. And it's not like a phenomenon like A Bug's Life and Ants, where like two, like twinning when two movies come out and they're almost exactly the same. No, it's not a twinsy. Okay. Huh. Wow. Atlantic. And people, the, the, this is. Ah, like as a as a writer, this infuriates me. As an online personality, I'm going to use this to my advantage for some writing. <laughs> yeah, and it's crazy because I uh, actually went down, of course, a rabbit hole of mockbusters. But their revenue is, as you can assume, entirely made of DVD sales. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely not something you see. Like, I'm shocked I missed the two theaters uh, release of Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, why Why was that not the sequel? 
<laughs> or Indian Ocean Rim. <laughs> Dead Sea Rim. That's a porno. Oh, my God. I also found there were a few famous mockbuster companies, one of which actually, um, so as you probably said, it was infuriating because, you know, you're a content creator, you create original content. You're like, why the fuck would someone rip off my content? Well, Disney in the 90s actually was constantly suing Good Times Entertainment because they were constantly creating uh, their own versions of Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Pinocchio, Sinbad. But guess what? They were always legal and they survived Disney's legal challenges because Disney was creating its films based off public domain. (laughs) Disney did some fuckery with public domain law. Like they still have characters that like are protected. Like they took characters that were definitely public domain. And because they Disneyfied them, they've been out of the public domain for just an absurd number of years now. Like didn't they sue a preschool at one point for painting their, like I could be like someone in our audience, go ahead, fact check and yell at us for this. But like they, (laughs) they fucking, I'm almost, this could be one of those like internet lore things but like they have sued people for some absurd stuff just for using their images anytime people have capitalized on their images in their view uh disney will fucking sue even if it's um you know something that's very like clearly public domain type shit but Mm -hmm. this is why satire law is useful and not only disney so there's even like a brazilian cgi animation studio that starting in 2006 began to produce low budget direct to video films of very popular films from not only disney but pixar and dreamworks jesus yeah so and believe it or not there actually is one mockbuster that has kind of stood the test of time and become its own thing which one it's actually a really popular sci-fi series can you guess event i was gonna jokingly say star wars but it's a mockbuster based on star wars mockbuster based on star i was gonna say it's not space balls that's just a um a, a it's parody battle star galactica real <sighs> no yes that was supposed to be a mockbuster? That's fantastic. The world is a strange place. But yeah, so this porn, getting back to it, is a mockbuster, The Devil and Miss Jones. And it actually, there's not one Devil and Miss Jones, because I remember at one point almost sending you the wrong film, because there's eight sequels. Eight? Eight. Does the devil bang Miss Jones in any of them? That's a great question. I'll have to look into it. But yeah, so uh, let's start with, I guess, let's talk about the plot and then kind of dig in a little bit more to reviewing and the soundtrack and the background. So Ms. Jones arrives in the devil's office and she's very confused. Oh, she, she, uh, they're handling the subject of this woman just committed suicide very lightly. <laughs> Wait, did you watch the link I sent you, the second link? Oh, my God. The film? Did I watch the wrong one? Oh, because I sent it this morning where she actually commits suicide. I did not watch her committing suicide. Whoops. Oopsie. It's cool. So No, I saw the second link, and like I thought that the thing was with it was that it was the first 10 minutes was in the first link you sent me, and it was just better audio quality on the second one. So that's why I'm like, oh, I'm just not going to bother switching over to the other one. So I was, that was the only reason why I didn't uh, click the second one. So I'm an idiot. It's cool. I mean, do you want me to describe it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So before actually we go right into the plot of this, the overarching theme uh, is basically you have Justine Jones played by Georgina Splevin, which I want to talk about that name in a second. Splevin? Uh, okay, I'll talk about it now. Uh, <laughs> so Georgia Splevin is actually, does that name out of curiosity sound familiar? You're a theater major. Vaguely. If it does sound semi-familiar, it's because it's a stage name she adopted in variation on George Splevin, which is normally a pseudonym by stage actors for second billing when you're playing two roles. Ah. Yeah. Kind of like instead of using like Mr. Smith or Mrs. Smith. Gotcha. But the plot itself uh, is you have a woman who basically commits suicide because uh, it's her only way out of her routinely dull existence. She slits her wrist uh, with a shaving blade while bathing, dies, and then ends up in purgatory where she meets the devil. And then they discuss actually her life and how it was kind of 
boring. So she actually offers to become lust. So let's first talk about that first chunk of the film before we get on to the sexy part. I'm just saying it was such a, a blasé discussion of, of suicide. And I'm like, I'm, I feel, I, I feel let down. Like I get it. This was the seventies and this was Porto acting, but I'm like, man, I feel like that scene redone today by like any of the major studio. Like I'm just picturing Brie Mills tackling that scene. Be like, all right, we need a sensitivity, sensitivity, uh, coach somewhere on set for in case it's too heavy for any, like it's, they're discussing it with all the emotional depth of a teaspoon. But considering he is someone who guides people, I guess, through purgatory, heaven, and hell, whomever this angel is that's informing her, I guess this is kind of routine for him. Let me rephrase it. She has all the emotional depth of a teaspoon about someone who just committed suicide. <laughs> like, and I get it. There's there's no right way to feel about your own. But like, it's she's just like, oh, I'm dead, but I never had sex. Like, it it seemed very like that's the first. Like, not I'm never going to see my mom again. I never, you know, everything's gone. I'll never have coffee. Are you saying I just had my my last starburst? Like, there are so many things. I would be very look clearly i'm i'm very food motivated i'm a, a labrador <laughs> i'm a labrador retriever in human form basically i'm an other kin no uh but i i just i want to know like it seemed so emotionally controlled for someone who is realizing she just committed suicide and is also realizing fuck i died a virgin like if that's your first thing you realize when you come to in purgatory wouldn't you have been like before the suicide gone you know I'm an attractive woman. I'm going to go to a bar first and just get this over with. Right? I, I mean, why is it not until death she's like, fuck, I forgot about the virginity thing. Especially if your whole reason for killing yourself was just, I was bored. Right? If you want to email us for insensitivity for discussing the subject, number one, I spent the last, like, I spent about a year of my life suicidal don't fucking at me. But number two, if you want to email us for insensitivity, go ahead, email us, info, two girls, one mic. Uh, How is this going to help anyone? Hey, you guys were very insensitive discussing this woman's fake suicide in a porno. <laughs> it was during, I, I think it's also we're watching this through, you know, 2020 filter of, uh, you know, this is not how things are discussed now slash watching porn acting. Another thing that bothers me though is that, She's angry that she didn't get to have a lot of sex, but then Miss Jones is, she's begging this angel to earn her spot in hell when she's in purgatory. Like, she doesn't even consider, oh, heaven can be an option. Well, yeah, suicide's the issue. So she says, oh, well, if I can't do heaven, screw it, I'll do hell. It seemed like, or she was asking if she can get into heaven and it was like, it was, no, you're stuck here. And it's like, she got like a, a brief reprise before going to hell. And it's like, well, don't worry. I'll let you know when you're coming back. So off she goes to get a lot of fucking out of the way. And like, this is one of few porns for which I watched the fuck, because like the rest of the action for the movie or the rest of the movie was basically sex. There wasn't a lot of dialogue from there on. <laughs> like after, after she leaves the, the devil's office, it is, I do have one note saying she's feeding herself grapes like a Greek goddess. You go girl. That is one note that I have. Oh, we will get to the grape scene in a second. <laughs> but so she returns to Earth and becomes the embodiment of lust. And I mean, I guess, uh, you know, it, since, you know, this is a porn and she was a virgin, you know, you can't really be greed or wrath or yeah. anything else. But I mean, she, I guess, returns to Earth. I mean, again, don't know how someone can become the embodiment of lust. You know, it's a porno. We're going to go with it. Fine. Anyway, she gets down and like the first encounter is with this uh, guy who, no, I'm impressed with like, it's interesting. They're starting off like talking her through what like, she lists off like a, a bunch of names for penis whilst they're having foreplay. And I'm, I'm impressed slash a little horrified that he kind of just goes for it with this little finger condom thing into the ass. So to set the scene the first sex scene is basically an intense pain and pleasure scene with a man who only goes by the title, The Teacher. Yeah. And yeah, he has this weird finger condom. I don't, how do we even describe it? It looks, it, it was 
flesh colored too. It was a little pointier than I would like anything that goes into my ass. I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, like I, like I said, not, and no lube. Like I said, not my proudest fap, not my weirdest. She's starting to like get near the penis and start to give it like a. She's starting to blow the thing and like she's just rubbing it on her face, like someone who's like ha- vaguely had a blowjob described to them before. And I'm like, all right, you need to. You need to put like he's the dialogue from him from this just killed me. Put it in your mouth. Like he's not saying it like this, but I think in the back of his head, he's thinking like the two lines from him are put it in your mouth all the way. And I'm like, and he says it like a teaser, put it in your mouth all the way. And I'm thinking he's got to be thinking, put it in your mouth all the way. Like (laughs) it's because she's like kind of like smearing it on the side of her face. It's very strange watching this. Per- like, my note in here says, I feel like this man wants to scream while you just suck the fucking thing. <laughs> Taking it all the way. It's getting so big and hard. Yes, do you like it? I like the way it feels big and hard in my mouth. By the way, did the guy look familiar to you? Vaguely, yes. It's because you've seen him before. Have I seen him before in person or on a, in a porn? Well, I would be surprised if it was in person, but then again, you live in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh he played the doctor in Deep Throat. Oh, yes. Harry Reams. The doctor in Deep Throat was amusing. Same guy. At one point she starts saying, I love you, and I can't tell if she was saying I love you to him or to his cock. I mean, then again, she was a virgin. Don't virgins normally say I love you to the first fuck they ever have? A stage five clinger off the bat. Right? Look, she doesn't have that long on earth. She's just she's gotta get all the all the banging, all the emotions out of the way. And here's the thing, they go straight for all the holes. There's like there's dialogue all through the and normally we don't watch the sex all that often, but like there's dialogue through the sex in this. So we watched it. Um, or at least I did. But like it's weird to hear someone say, put it in my cunt in such a like dialogue-y way. Like, and she's like, put it in my cunt. I want to know what it feels like in my cunt. Put it in my cunt. Like you practically hear it in like that transatlantic accent. Yes, put it in my cunt, Harold. I would like it in my cunt, you see? (laughs) I'll take my tea with two lumps of sugar, yes? And I would like it in my cunt afterwards. I'm totally (laughs) fucking up the accent. Now, I actually, so I wrote down there were a couple scenes. There was, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six sex scenes, I think. There were a reasonable number, yeah. Yeah, like, so there was her and the teacher, her and the woman, uh, which actually, fun fact, uh, the woman was supposed to only be doing craft services, but turns out was also her lover. Oh. Like, real-life lover. Oh, there you go. That worked out. So it was a second was a lesbian scene. The third one, let's talk about this, where with her and a running hose. Yeah, um, hmm, mm, that hose up the, like... She shoved the hose into herself... Yeah, basically an on-screen enema. Yeah, um, I have problems with this hygienically because, like, if here's the thing: if you're gonna give yourself an enema, like, there are reasons for a porno that one would give themselves an enema before the porno, especially if there is butt play. To be conscientious of everyone involved in that situation, from the viewer to the partner, she was in a bathtub in that water and the hose, which was clearly, at least to us before it went into her ass, shooting water out. And then it went into her butt. Now, I don't know if her butt was thoroughly cleaned before or not, but there is no situation. How quickly does an enema work though? Because I I don't know if she enemaed really, really, really thoroughly before that, but at the same time, like no <laughs> like did she like did she like enema like crazy and not eaten anything the day before but like she shoved a hose in her ass and was sitting there in the water that was coming out from the yeah that's some next level shit another one i had an issue with was when she was actually eating so she was and you touched on this earlier on where she was eating fruit naked in a master bed and she was masturbating with the fruit and wasn't only just a banana she also rubbed an apple on her bush and put grapes into herself yeah guys even well-washed fruits and vegetables and this is where we have to put a little bit of science in we gotta like just don't 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 your gi tract 
often handles this bacteria just fine, but your vagina is not used to it. Could lead to infections. We call your vagina a self-cleaning oven. We don't want you to actually use your vagina to try to heat anything. Like, please, there are so many fun things that we recommend that you shove hard and deep and or soft, however you want to, into your vagina. Don't put grapes in there. Please. It's not going to ferment them anytime no, soon. No, we know there's yeast. That's, and that's not helpful, how you make wine. There, there are, Stop it, you hippie. <laughs> there, there's other, don't make sourdough out of that yeast either. Please just don't put fruit in there. It was an entertainment. Like, I got to admit, at one point I'm watching and there's just a bunch of grapes and I'm like, I wonder if you can put, like, the thought crossed through my head and you know the thought popped into yours at some point. Something like this just passed through fleetingly. Can you fit more in your vagina or your mouth? Oh, that is a great question. How large is a vaginal cavity and how many grapes can you put in it? I feel like you'd be able to fit more into the vagina, partially because at some point in your mouth, you'd be like, I can't breathe. And you'd give up. Like, but your vagina, you'd be like, nah, I've taken some poundings. That's true. And you can't say, I can't breathe. <laughs> You'll eventually just gag and <sighs> it out. With your, with your <laughs> mouth. Like, I feel like there's no reflex in your pussy that will quite out the same way. Yeah, you definitely can't sneeze or laugh. Uh, well, sneezing will kind of fuck it up in both directions. True. Uh, but let's see. How many grapes? All right. Write in if you're a cam girl who's done this. Okay. If, if- and I want to cl- be clear when I say who's done this already. Not I'm going to do it. We don't want anyone writing in saying, hey, I got bacterial vaginosis from this. Two Girls, One Mike t- bears no responsibility for any cases of bacterial vaginosis that you ex- accept from shoving grapes into your vagina. Please don't do this. This is a, we, we started this off by saying this is a bad idea, and then I got off on but a But if dump. you do it, or you did it. It's, please don't. But if you did, we have questions. We just, like, there has to be, so one of our wonderfully perverted listeners has to have watched someone shove some fruit or something bizarre up there. Like, Oh, the, you know what? The closest analog has to be ping pong balls. There has to be someone who shoved like a record number of ping pong balls into there, which is like three grapes-ish in volume. Oh, ping pong balls are bigger than grapes. I say there are about three grapes in volume. Okay. Give or take. Yeah, sure. Uh, in that scene, she also had a snake slithering around her and she was like kind of like making some tonguey faces at the snake. And I'm like, bitch, if that thing goes into your vagina, I'm out. Right? I was very happy that we stopped at grapes in the vagina. Like, if this thing had turned a little more bestial, I would have been like, ah, 70s, what are you doing? I had to actually use Twitter to figure out uh, what snake this was. And thank you, Twitter folk, for letting me know uh, your snake expertise. Because I am not a snake lady. You know how there's always like one snake guy at a party? Oh, fuck. Snake yes. guy. Like, it's, and I mean, here's the thing I like snakes, but like, there's a thing about snake guy. It's kind of like, you know, how with, uh, did you watch Joe Exotic? Yes. Wasn't it amazing? Yes. I feel dirty and like this thing has been through me. I've seen the id of the internet now. <laughs> I feel like I understand it in ways that I didn't before. But like, you know how they're talking about like how uh, big cat people are like, but like snake guys, they're like what happens before a big cat person goes pro, you know? So what I'm hearing is like half of Florida is snake guys. Exactly. They're all just people who like they if they could have big cats, they would. I don't know. I mean, I've had a huge fear of snakes when I was a kid and I still do. I had one actually that when I was a kid at a petting zoo, like just wrapped around my arm in a really weird and bad way. So I just, you know, kind of pieced out of snakes after that. Snakes are not your thing. No. And even though this one is supposedly non-venomous, it was, according to our followers, a Boa imperator, hmm. uh, which is a, let's see, it is a non-venomous species of snake found in Mexico, Central America, and South America. Why was it on the set of this porno? And bear in mind, this porno was shot in Pennsylvania in like an apple factory. So I have so many more questions. Like, an who has this fa- South American snake in an apple factory in Pennsylvania? Somebody who shot this porn. I have more questions about like, look, I've had guys say like, hey, want to feel this snake, but not like this. 
I personally like snakes, but also I would never have one for a pet. Not because I have anything wrong with it. It's just they're like, you see the pets that I have. I like pets that I can, that are soft and fuzzy and snuggly, not ones that I have to put a heat lamp on. Like that's not, for me, that's not the purpose of a pet. The purpose of a pet is like, I want something that when it's cold at night, it gives me heat. Reptiles, you have to give them heat. I feel like that is antithetical Stop to the purpose. Stop describing me. I'll give you heat. Look, I'm cold and I shed. <laughs> it's, are you saying that you molt? And I'm very slimy at times. Well, that's what I like about you. I don't have to lube you up. You come pre-slimed. And I wrap myself around you, so I'm a stage five clinger. Oh, my God. <laughs> maybe I am the snake here. Huh. Maybe you just don't like competition. Oh, that's true. I mean, you are a capitalist. Hey, uh, just throwing one out there for left tube. I mean, nothing wrong with that. No. Look, I like making money. You would too. If you like, if money comes into your account, you like making it. Exactly. It's I. There's not a socialist out there that doesn't like money. Uh, I don't know. We got to go to the people over at Chess. You know, it's funny. One of my libertarian friends, and when I say libertarian, I mean most hardcore libertarians I know, like is a, uh, I, I believe. We should tell our audience what Chaz is. Um, Ch- the uh, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in, uh, is it in Portland or is it in Seattle? I forget which. Um, but it's I think in, it's in Seattle. I'm like, it's in one of the states north of here. There are only two of them and they're both full of hippies. I say this as kind of a hippie. Seattle, but, um, Washington. But she is, uh, so my friend is a, is a fellow at the Mises Institute. And when I say uh, Mises, Mises, either M-I-S-E-S, it is when I say it's hardcore libertarian, I mean Austrian economics, like they want to legalize everything. And when I say everything, I mean they want to legalize drunk driving. They are hardcore <laughs> libertarians. And because she happens to live in that neighborhood, she's gone and checked it out. And she's the first person I know to blame things on Antifa, uh, you know, even if there's no sign it. But like she's gone and checked it out. She's like, actually, everything seems fine up there. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, and, and I, I'm kind of shocked too. She's like, yeah, people are like, and she's also kind of anti-police, but she's like, yeah, people are settling everything fairly peacefully. I don't think it's going to last forever, but yeah, everything seems, you know, people are just having parties in the street and I'm like, oh God, I hope they're all wearing masks. She's like, yeah, pretty much everyone's wearing masks too. It's a fun social experiment. Yeah. I mean, she, she went in like expecting it to be bad. And she, had, there were a few times during, cause she went to a couple of the protests too, like, to see what was going to happen. And I, you know, I expected her to come back and say awful thing. Like she's the first person who, who I would expect to hear if there's something bad to say about, you know, the kids who are promoting the socialisms, like she'd be the one to say it, but I can't believe I'm the one telling people to go watch the Mises caucus, um, Facebook feed, but because she's, she is the hardest core libertarian I know, but she's also being very uh, objective about this. But she's calling up bullshit when she sees it too. But I'm surprised at how peaceful she's saying it is. Well, I'm sure by the time this episode comes exactly. out, it'll either become its own si- like yeah, sovereign exactly. nation or uh, it's collapsed. Or it'll be bedlam. So in three weeks from, however, so we're recording this on the 16th of June. So by the time this airs, um, it, it um, my birthday is July 8th. So it, I might be 37 and Chaz might've been nuked by the, from the planet. So, but the good news is it seems like things aren't going to fucking shit there at the moment. So maybe it means we don't need the police as much as we, they, or we, we need them a little less militarized. That'd be, we could, anyways, let's get back to this poor. Oh, man. You know, one day we're going to have a porn with tanks. Oh, I can think of a couple different. Could you fuck a tank? There are things on a tank somebody could use as a dildo. They're very large. Uh, probably not humanly possible to fuck a tank. Hey. I don't know. If you have a tank and you have fucked it and or been near a tank enough to figure out which parts to fuck, let us know. I guess info to girls on mic.com. It's about patriotic dildos. Somebody could take parts of one and repurpose it, I'm sure. Anything's a dildo if you're brave enough. So after the snake scene, she has a threesome scene. I mean, it's like any old threesome scene, I guess, uh, where she gets DP'd. There's something interesting about the sex in this. Like when, like, I'm not used to, and of course they're editing and they're having like, you know, choppy, um, they're cutting the editing for it. But like, I'm not used to, you know, in modern porn, seeing someone saying, you know, ooh, go slow. 
and like the kind of, you know, you're used to, you're used to them having somebody pre-lubed up and warmed up. And by the time it gets to the scene of them uh, shoving it into the ass, them being ready to just go, you know, with, with maybe minor, you know, 30 seconds of them going a little slower at first, but like there's a good 30 seconds of her gritting her teeth and looking like she is, um, getting through this, uh, in there. And I was like, wow, they're really, they're showing what someone's experience of first time anal is like a little bit more than most porns would. I mean, and I guess as a virgin, she's kind of gone through everything now, you know? So she, she's had a one-on-one, she's blown a guy, she's uh, had a little dip to her toes into bestiality and to yeah. fruit and, you know, whatever you have around a house to make a dildo work. She went for everything. Yeah, got double stuffed. There are very few holes of her on her that have not been violated, and I don't think she wants the, the brain swab. You mean the coronavirus test? Exactly. I it's what I oh Which I, is what we're calling your his dick. Oh yeah. The brain yeah. the brain swab. We know who his is, but like if you know what, listener, that's what they're calling your dick. <laughs> if you have a long thin one, we're gonna call it the coronavirus test. I think that's You're welcome. That's your new pickup line. Is that the new rule? That is a new rule. New rule. Long thin if one. If you have a long thin penis, it's the you COVID get to test. Say, yeah, you get to say, have you had your COVID test yet? Oh, Jesus. So I want to talk about the ending to this porn because I thought it was a fascinating ending and I didn't expect it to go here. Yeah. But it makes sense. So she gets to hell because obviously she's earned her place, I guess, now as being the embodiment of lust. She has lusted her way through all of the dicks. All of the dicks and all of the pussies and all of the fruit and all of the snakes. She has slutted her way into hell. We approve of the sluttery. And she gets in there and she's in a room with one guy. And I don't know if I was having audio, but like whatever his issue was, he had no interest in sex. He was an impotent guy who was more interested in catching flies than her. And she, for whatever reason, had never learned to pleasure herself. Like, that's the one thing, like, she'd seen everyone else do the pleasuring, She, but, like, had not figured out how to touch her own clitoris, and is just sitting there, like, with this desperate look at her face, just being like, you could just stick it in, you could put your dick in me, and you could, oh, man, that is hell, eternity in a room with someone just horny and not able, and getting no satisfaction. And not only that, but... She's frustrated, and while she's frustrated and begging him for sex, he's just asking her to be quiet while he listens to the buzzing of the insects. So which one do you think kills the other one first and sends him into, like, the next layer of inception of hell? Oh, uh, he's quiet, so he'll snap first. Yeah, probably. She'll eventually learn to masturbate, maybe. Now— Overall, this film, I have to say, though, I felt like it was really well shot and it had a good storyline. And actually, it's no surprise that reviewers at the time, they felt really good about this. So remember, I don't know, actually, gosh, I remember this was like almost two years ago. Oh, my God. When we watched Deep Throat, it had a no stars rating from like Roger Ebert. What? But when he watched this, he said he gave it three out of a best possible four stars. Well, then he came around. Siskel of, you know, of Siskel and Ebert also gave it three out of four stars. I think about the movie. There have been movies that they have one starred that I'm sure were better than this. I think for the time it was good. I mean, for the time it actually, and I'll be honest, I haven't watched these films. I haven't watched like Paper Moon or Let Die with Roger Moore, but it grossed $15 million at the U.S. box office, and it made it actually the 10th most successful film in 1973. Wow. Yeah. A porn. It's one of the top. Wow. Now, bear in mind, guys, this was 1973, so uh, people were also uh, using films, well, kind of as they do now, to launder money, (sighs) but even more so. So do we know if that $15 was predominantly just people watching it? Mm, Who the fuck knows? But- this film was entertaining and it also brought it brought to mind new definitions of what what would your personal hell be? 
Oh my God. Uh, Leave me in the room with that snake she had. I think mine is uh, listening to someone who thinks they're good at karaoke singing Hero just slightly off key for hours on end and then hearing them complain that no one's applauding for them. Oh, this is why I don't do karaoke. (laughs) I I go with select company only. I, uh, you you guys got to get me really hammered and I can rep, but that's it. I will do Shoop by Salt and Pepper. See, I feel, I feel that is an acceptable song to do for anyone who, who was a, of a certain age in the nineties. Anything else I can't. I, oh, and I can also do Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. Uh, my voice goes really dark and really deep for that one. You know which one I think you should learn? I think it's called, I think it's called uh, Break Stuff by Limp Bizkit. No, hold on. I'm mixing it up with something else. Hold on. Not Break Stuff. It starts off just one of those days. And one of my friends, uh, who's a 50-some-odd-year-old mother of three, um, will do a karaoke and starts up, it's just one of those days! And it's just hilarious to see her uh, up and doing that. And I'm like, I can picture you doing that just to, you know, startle people. I mean, most people who are from the suburbs want to startle people and shake things up, I guess. (laughs) The suburbs are very boring. It seems that way. So speaking of music... There was actually, when I looked into, because of course I looked into every single aspect of this film, there was a theme song called I'm Coming Home, sung by Linda November. And Mm. I know you've probably never heard of Linda November before, Yvette. I have not heard of Linda November. Should I have heard of Linda November? You have heard Linda November. I've heard Linda November. Have you ever heard the Meow Mix jingle? Oh my God. She's the meow. She's the meow. She's the meow. But she's not only the meow, she's actually the jingle queen. She's the jingle queen? Oh my God. She's done over 22,000 jingles. 22,000 jingles. Oh my God. In the 1970s, it was estimated that 75% of jingles that could be heard on the airways were sung no more than by 30 people. And November was basically the jingle queen out of all of them. Oh my God. Coke and a Smile jingle that was famous in like the 80s. Slightly before my time to remember a jingle. That's cool. How old do you think I am, Alice? How how much more Botox do I need? You're not 87? Not yet. That's But, you know, coronavirus willing, I'll get there. At least your lungs will look that age. God, did you see the lungs that someone took out after getting uh, a lung transplant? Yeah, I saw that. It looked terrified. Yeah. Did they have any other conditions? The report said no underlying condition. They were on a medication for, and I want to say this carefully, they were on a medica- uh, a light immune suppressant medication that is not believed to have caused any complications. And they often use immune suppressing medications as part of the treatment for COVID because the immune system going into overdrive is often what destroys the lungs uh, because the immune system is like, what? We haven't managed to keep the virus down? Send in the extra troops. And and then it attacks your lungs along with the virus. So it seems she was at a healthy weight. She was active. She didn't have any underlying conditions. It's just she was lucky caller a thousand and this didn't work out. Now, the thing about uh, lung replacements, it's like, I don't want people to hear, oh, we can replace lungs. It'll be fine. Because number one, finite supply. Uh, but number two, lung replacements are not a permanent that you get a new set of lungs and you're fine for the rest of your life. Um, they have a shelf life uh, on them. You need, like, they they only last a certain amount of time because unlike kidneys, unlike other uh, organs, your lungs are constantly, like, you are you have to be on immune-suppressing medication so that your body doesn't attack them. Uh, and your lungs, unlike, again, you know, kidneys and liver, they are constantly exposed to the environment. So huh. it'll buy you some years. It does not buy you back all of them. So what I'm hearing is don't go into the black market lung business because it's not viable? Not yet. I mean, you know, maybe two years from now when things get really but bad. kidneys and livers, kidneys. you said. Are, oh, well, kidneys. Kidneys, more yeah. Less, yeah. I mean, you can put someone into a bathtub after taking their kid. They'll be fine. Please don't do that. And bear in mind, a kidney would raise you $160,000 on the black market. And why I know this is a great question. I don't want to know and I'm terrified. So, uh, <laughs> on that note, on that note, uh, do we have anything to plug? 
Do you have anything to plug with your crayons right now? It's, I believe by the time this airs, I have like one more week left of this Kickstarter. But guys, if you support the show, I actually came out with a very special offensive crayons pack, the porn pack with fantastic colors like Debbie Does Dandelion, Seyford Sage, Lap Dance Lavender, Barely Legal Lime, and my personal favorite, I think I'm going to dot, dot, dot cream. I like that one. You can also use the black crayon called BBC, a.k.a. the big black crayon. The biggest blackest crayon. I just, maybe from across the bow, the Cards Against Humanity people will give us a shout out now. I'm pretty sure they hate me. (laughs) (laughs) They can keep hating. They can keep hating. They probably are like, who's this bitch with these fucking crayons? She's not that great. They'll be fine. They'll live. But that said, uh, they're only $8 a box plus shipping. Just head on over to offensivecrayons.com. From there, you could find the Kickstarter. Just click on like the main banner and it'll take you to it. Uh, and not only that, but uh, if you actually order via the Kickstarter, you can also place an order for the offensive-ish pack of crayons. They are care and approve and only get you half the glares from HR when you bring them in. Depends on your personal HR department. If it, you're working from home or you're self-employed, it's non-existent. Oh, which is the best part about working at home. The HR department here is my dog. Right. Yep. I sexually assault myself all the time. Mm, it is so wonderful. Nobody complains when I watch porn at the office. I mean, when I watch it in the kitchen with my roommates, that that gets a little weird, but... You just tell them, no, it's for work. It's for the plot. It's totally fine. Now look at this tentacle. So that said, we have some patrons to thank as usual. And patrons will probably not get the video version of this because we're all fucking over the place. Yeah. <laughs> you guys will survive. You, you know what we look like. Do they? Do they? So become a patron at patreon.com slash two girls on mic. And this week we want to thank... Holy shite, Christopher Wedge, Dystopico, Bonnie, Connor Cunningham, Michael Gadd, Damian Saunders, Jimmy Lee, Kelly Frazier, Ivy Song, Walter Corzano, Brent, John S., Thea May, Bethany Nicole, Stephen Jones, Reed Decker, Elisa, and many, many others. And if you want to become a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash two girls on mic. Yvette, where can our listeners find you and more COVID intel? You guys can find me at the Cybabe on Twitter and Instagram and over at facebook.com slash Cybabe, where I'm doing my weekly live streams telling you guys all about the COVIDs and how you can hopefully make smarter decisions than than our dear leader is. Anyways, Alice, where can people find you? And of course, all of the things about the podcast. Guys, you can find all the things about the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at TGOM Podcast. Of course, recommend Two Girls on Mike to all your friends. We also have the main website, twogirlsonmike.com, which you could find everything we talked about here today. Uh, and you can find me, Alice, at Rational Blonde on Twitter. But of course, you can always hear us next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Holy shite, Christopher Wedge, Dystopico, Bonnie, Connor Cunningham, Michael Gatt, Damian Saunders, Jimmy Lee, Kelly Frazier, Ivy Song, Walter Corzano, Brent, John S., Thea May, Bethany Nicole, Stephen Jones, Reed Decker, Elisa, and many, many others.